Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary, and it's my privilege to be the host of this podcast, and it's a privilege to welcome back to the podcast uh, Francis Chan. Francis Chan is the, the best-selling author of Crazy Love, Forgotten God, You and Me Forever, and Until Unity, among other works. Currently, he's planting churches in the San Francisco area. Together, Francis and his wife, Lisa, raised their seven children in Northern California. He is the 2023 Bethel Seminary Carlson Scholar, and he was a guest on this podcast back in uh, July when we had a great conversation there. Francis, welcome back to the podcast, and thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. All right. Well, this is a little bit of a different episode in that this time we solicited questions from listeners, folks who uh, have, have been regular listeners, like to, to have me ask uh, Francis Chan. And so they have submitted questions that we're going to tackle here and for the time that we have together. So um, I'm just going to jump right in. So the first question then is, how did you discern your call to ministry and what did that look like for you? Hmm. You know, I, I fell in love with Jesus when I was in high school. And when I understood the gospel, I began telling all of my friends about it, um, explaining who Jesus was. I mean, I, I was just pretty radical in high school, like started a uh, a Bible study on campus. And I mean, I was that kid that just was so blown away at the plan of salvation and thinking, gosh, I can't let my friends go to hell. I, I mean, that's that was my thinking. I'd walk through the locker halls and look for people that I could just share with. Um, I would go through the yearbook and call the people that were, you know, graduating and let them know. Uh, and then during my senior year, during summer camp, uh, I remember the counselor for the freshman guys couldn't come. And so my youth pastor said, hey, can you counsel the, you know, rather than hang out with your buddies, can you be the leader for the freshman guys? And I'm thinking, I'm 17. I just want to have fun. And, you know, yeah. but yeah, I'll do it. I'll do whatever's needed. And yeah. And it was during that time that I just, I just thought, what else am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love teaching these guys. I love telling people about Jesus. Um, I was going to go into, uh, you know, City College. And my only desire there was, just, you know, let me get started on my degree, but let me take speech class so I can share about Jesus. Let me take philosophy class so I can talk about Jesus. Um, so that was really a start to ministry was just, yeah. it wasn't so much a position as much as it was, let me just be available. Let me just get the gospel out. Mm -hmm. And so my youth pastor then asked me to be his intern. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I, I just thought, you know what, this is what I want to do with my life. Wow. That's awesome. What a, what a great story and uh, how amazing how God used you for uh, at that age to reach those high school high school students that's that's fantastic um, so what are you what are you up to now um in terms of your ministry work uh, what what keeps you busy that's a great question um i don't know exactly uh i you know i'm involved with the church out here i'm traveling a ton a lot of it is, is with um the send which is a uh, just a conference for young people really 
trying to send them to the ends of the earth and just get them to actually do something, mm-hmm. um, serve the Lord. And it's, it's been a huge blessing. Um, and I, I have this conviction that, uh, I was reading numbers. I think it's chapter eight, uh, several years ago, actually six years ago when I was 50. Um, and it talks about the retirement of the Levites Mm. And how when they turn 50, they're supposed to retire from mm. working at the temple and then just pour themselves into this next generation of 25-year-olds that were going to be in the temple and to support them. And, mm. and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. I was, it actually frustrated me when I read it because I'm like, wow, Lord, if I lived back then, I would have had to retire. And I feel like I'm in my prime at 50 Mm-hmm. And why would you have me retire? But it made a lot of sense that it's not really retire, retiring from a certain type of work mm-hmm. to pour into the next generation. Yeah. And after prayer, I thought, wow, this is brilliant. And this is what's lacking in the church mm-hmm. is older-ish guys that still have energy pouring themselves into the younger generation rather mm-hmm. than just doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And he brought me back to, uh, yeah, when I was like 25 years old and how an older man came into my life, not to really uh, lead and have me watch, but saying, hey, I want to support you. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind and it it gave me so much confidence. And I, mm-hmm. I think back to this day, like, where would my life have been if Ron Wilson had not come into my life, supported me, me, believed in me, saw all my weaknesses, but I, I thought, wow, I owe so much to him. Mm. And, you know, he was in his 50s at the time. And I just go, gosh, I want to be that mm. for some of these younger people. And I don't want to be so caught up in doing my thing, mm-hmm. not thinking about the future of the kingdom. And too many young guys are, I mean, some of it is their pride thinking I don't need anyone, but some of them really just don't have an older guy to come alongside, walk with them, get them to think through some things, some traps that they mm-hmm. could fall into and help them avoid those things and use their experience to, uh, I don't know, support, encourage, sometimes confront. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, and now that my son-in-laws are around that age and, um, you know, other young men in the church, I just want to pour myself into them, mm-hmm. do less and less of my thing mm-hmm. and more and more of supporting the younger people. I mean, that's part of, um, I mean, it's from a distance, but you know, with Bethel Seminary and with the Carlson's scholarship position, I just thought, yeah, maybe it's a way that I can do some of that, mm-hmm. give some insight through my mistakes to some of the younger generation. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And then if I'm remembering right, you did some ministry in Myanmar a few years ago. Is that right? Um, the Twin Cities here where Bethel Seminary is based has a significant number of Karen refugees and they're a people group from Myanmar. And uh, so I wonder if uh, you could share with us a little bit about what your ministry there looked like. What were you doing there that might be of interest for some of our local listeners at least? Yeah, that was, I mean, 
I'm not exaggerating. Those were some of the best days of my life mm. or in Myanmar. Um, and I think there were some things that contributed to it. One was a, a couple of friendships I had. One, a guy named Jimmy Seibert in uh, Waco, uh, Texas, who I don't know of another church that sends out as many missionaries as Antioch mm. does. And then my other friend, Andy Bird, who's kind of taken the lead with YWAM. Mm -hmm. um, and the three of us getting together and just getting to know one another, but praying and, and you know, we have theological differences, uh, mm -hmm. you know, some personality differences, but we just thought, let's put it aside and let's just pray if the Lord is sending us somewhere and just try something together. Mm -hmm. And the Lord laid Myanmar on their hearts and I just kind of went with them like, let's go. And so kind of crazy love Antioch church and uh, YWAM kind of did this joint venture of let's just bring some of our people go over there and plan some things and see what happens and mm. it was uh and those guys are both way more administrative and um I think better leaders than I am and and so it was really fun working with them and but I remember going to a village where they'd never heard the name of Jesus. And mm. we had this unique opportunity through this lady who had built relationship with them and talked them into letting us come. And, mm. and it was actually a very, uh, you know, it was a persecuted area. I didn't know until later. Mm. And they didn't tell me until after. But I felt some of that fear of like, gosh, I'm in the middle of nowhere. They could do anything to me. And I mean, you know, we're on this top of this building and I'm planning my escape if something crazy happens. And yet there was this thrill of, I'm about to share the gospel to people for the very first time. Mm. And, and looking at these older ladies in the front row thinking, gosh, they're 70, 80 years old. And, have never heard of him and have believed something their entire life. God, you've got to come through. Mm -hmm. And ah, uh, it was just, I don't know, you just feel so helpless. Like, God, how do I convince people of this truth? Mm -hmm. Never even heard the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I really have to trust the gospel, mm -hmm. uh, the power. And Lord, I, I don't know if this is like a, acts type of situation where you'll authenticate it through signs and wonders or something like i don't know i haven't been yeah. in this situation before i haven't seen very many miraculous things um and that night just got to experience the power of god and mm. but there's also something unique that was happening in burma or myanmar mm. um where the response to the gospel was just different and mm. that's why jimmy and andy both wanted to go there is they had already known of some of this and okay. i'm a more ignorant to uh what's going on around the world sadly uh they they just said no this is ripe and it, it really was and so the thought that now some of those people are in the twin cities or a good sized group of them what an amazing opportunity because it just it, 
you know, God initiates things. Mm -hmm. Just kind of follow along. Uh, you know, you look at Nineveh and you go, wow, yeah, that was all God. Mm -hmm. And and so there seems to be a uniqueness upon the Burmese people. Mm -hmm. um, and so we worked with the Karen, we worked with the different groups out there. And the ministry continues even after the military coup came in, like the ministry, even amidst the persecution, has continued to flourish. And that's that's just something the Lord initiated and sustained. And so I, I know for some of you listening, that this may be the first time you go to a group that maybe you can't communicate with well. Um yeah, what's really encouraging is what we started or not what God started there. I mean, this is starting from there's so many faithful, faithful people there. And so we were a little piece of that that kind of came in and and maybe encouraged them, gave them some resources, came alongside of them. But they're the ones that are doing it. And some of it was just us coming alongside encouraging and and so the ministry continues uh mm -hmm. after the military coup after we were not allowed to be in the country anymore because of covid um it's still flourishing which is encouraging because uh it's uh, an ongoing thing and it's it's of the lord and mm -hmm. um and so for those of you guys in the twin cities listening to this I believe the Lord has something special on that people group. And mm -hmm. I don't understand. I don't know why he chose them and why it seems like that's fertile ground right now. Just like, I don't know why he chose Nineveh. I don't know. That's just his choice. It had nothing to do with human desire. Um, maybe there were prayers that went into it. We don't know. Um, it's just something is happening amongst that group right now. Hmm. Wow, that's that's fantastic! What a what an amazing experience to be able to to do that. That's that's wonderful. I the church I pastored here in the Twin Cities had a, a Karen church that met in the building, and it was uh, the largest Karen church in Minnesota, which we think means it's probably one of the largest Karen churches in the world because of the just the smaller. Um, the, the smaller churches that that were there and that was a that was an amazing experience to engage with the leaders of that church and to try to partner together um obviously lots of issues language barriers and all this sort of thing but united uh in in our commitment to Christ and the desire to to share the gospel so that's um that's that's fascinating yeah well we're gonna we're going to talk about lots of different things here, different topics, because our listener submitted questions. This one comes in and says, uh, many ministry leaders we hear about, they fail through scandals of power or money or inappropriate relationships. How have you kept accountable? How have you been uh, kept accountable in your ministry? And what advice do you have for leaders who are seeking to avoid being derailed through, through ministry failure? Wow. Um, so many different thoughts on that. I mean, primarily I, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's the grace of God. Uh, you know, I made a lot of mistakes when I was young and, um, early on as a believer and, 
felt the weight of sin and failure as a young man. And so going into marriage, I just thought, Lord, please, please keep me just focused and pure and uh, humble. And I don't want to fail. And I'd seen people fail. And I, I would pray regularly, like, God, have me die, please, before failing like that. I'd heard stories of, I mean, luckily my, um, I don't know, luckily is probably not the right word, but by the grace of God, he gave me a youth pastor that warned me about, hey, you know, you don't want to travel with girls. You don't want to be alone with girls. You don't want to, you know, it's just all these rules. So when I became a pastor, um, newlywed, 26, I'm like, look, I'm never going to counsel a girl alone. I will never be even in a car alone. I won't even drive a girl anywhere. Um, they're just built-in protection. Like the Bible says, flee youthful lust. It's like run. It's, it's not the time for self-control. It's a time for just disciplining and running from it so that there's just not even the opportunity. Um, that's big, I think. Uh, I, I think uh, I was very guarded with even friendships with girls. Uh, that's why, uh, I mean, I regret maybe going overboard to where I remember my staff at Cornerstone, all the women just thought I hated them. And uh, every once in a while, I get comments like, well, Francis never liked me. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, I, and it's just, I just keep my distance, you know, like I, I just maybe went overboard. But hey, I'm 56, married 30 years in January and been faithful to my wife. Uh, I, I'll, I made a few people mad. I'll, I'll take it, you know, Um there's that. There's also just a consistency of, by the grace of God, like when I was in high school and fell in love with Jesus, he, my youth pastor again taught me to get alone with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so this has been a daily practice for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And again, that I, there's no substitute for that. Um, financially, I just... You know, when you see the other side of just, oh gosh, okay, yeah. I remember when I first started at church, there was this kid who stopped coming to the church and I talked to his mom and she made a comment like, well, Francis drives around in that, you know, convertible Mustang and yada, yada. And, and I thought, wow. If that impacts his view of God, then I'm selling that car and I'm just going to drive old cars for the rest of my life um, mm -hmm. because it's not worth it. If someone, mm -hmm. even if that's not the real issue, I, I don't want that. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, if this causes my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Mm -hmm. and so uh, it, it's just, you know, in prayers I've said to the Lord where we have very little um, for years. And I just got I told God, that's fine. I'm just annoyed by rich people. Why do they live such opulent lives? Why don't they just give it to the poor if they believe in eternity? That doesn't make sense. And, and I told God, if you ever make me rich, I'm going to give it all away. And mm -hmm. 
And the next year I became rich. You know, I, I didn't see it coming though. I really didn't. It was like this fascinating, what? People want to read what I write? That's weird. And I'm going to get money from this. Let's give it all away. Um, yeah. So there's kind of this protection of, I'm not going to allow myself to get rich. Um, I'm not going to, I want to keep loving the poor and keep them in front of me. Mm-hmm. So that I'm thinking about their needs rather than my luxuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with fame, and, and the Lord's been showing me this lately. I mean, again, I, I'm so grateful. We live in a time where if you want to stay popular or become popular in this culture, you have to uh, compromise. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just no way that you can teach the the scriptures uh, boldly and be popular. Mm. And and that that was possible in the 80s, 90s, um, maybe early 2000s, but there's mm. just, you can't do it now. Uh, it's like Matthew um, 24, 12, where it talks about how in the last days, it, because there'll be this increase in lawlessness, which we've seen in the last few years, just this rapid increase in lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're going to preach the commands of Christ, uh, of biblical Christianity, uh, good luck doing that and maintaining pockets. It's those who, who desire like, oh, I gotta have this many followers and likes and mm-hmm. whatever it is now. Um, you just go, wow, there's no way. I mean, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you look at all the prophets. Uh, it just, they couldn't do both. Mm-hmm. So you just have to decide, do I want the applause of men? Um, and if so, then ministry is not your calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a role in in your experience for an accountability partner or a team of people to kind of help with that? Have you used that or found that helpful or or has it been more kind of self self-accountability? Yeah, it's a little bit helpful, but here's the problem. I am a good enough communicator that I can lie. Mm. And so if there's not like a deep rooted fear of the Lord, um, accountability doesn't really do that much. Mm. Um, Now, what I do have is I have godly men around me who are great examples to me. I mean, even my son-in-law is like just godly, godly men. And as they share about their convictions, see how the Holy Spirit is in you. You see that and it convicts you. They don't mm-hmm. have to sit and walk through a list of questions. Um, there's this internal like, whoa, that was deep. Lord, make me more like that. Mm. Um, so for me at this stage, that's... Uh, that's been super helpful for me, mm-hmm. um, but it wouldn't be like what we're used to. 
as accountability. Yeah. And maybe I'm trying to think back earlier in my life. I mean, everyone's different. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, again, I'm so grateful he just put a fear of God in my heart at an early age. Mm -hmm. And a fear of, not a fear of death, but an awareness mm -hmm. of my mortality that, mm -hmm. that just helps me. Like, this could be the day. I stand before him and that's a regular thought in my life. Yeah, that's great. Um, I want to follow up on that. I'm going to pause for a moment to listen to a word uh, about Bethel Seminary. So we'll pause for that and then be right back. Our world is in desperate need of spiritual leadership. Men and women who will sing along with the Apostle Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ. For over 150 years, Bethel Seminary has been equipping whole and holy leaders to advance the gospel from a biblically sound foundation. That's why we've launched Seminary for Everyone. Online courses that are available throughout the year on a variety of topics, whether you're motivated to study for credit or simply for curiosity. For those who sense a call to vocational ministry, we have seven degree programs at the master's or doctoral level. All of these programs are designed to equip you not only with a strong theological foundation, but personal character and leadership development as well. At Bethel, we care about who you are and who you are becoming. Both online and in person, we cultivate environments with a strong sense of purpose and belonging. You will feel empowered both by your fellow students and by faculty who care about you and who God is calling you to be. You belong at Bethel Seminary. You belong at Bethel Seminary. You belong at Bethel Seminary, where you will become equipped for your part in God's mission. Well, we're back and talking about accountability. One of the things that I've noticed, and this is a question submitted as well, you you seem to avoid social media and haven't pursued the, that route of amassing followers. And I think you kind of talked about why you made that decision um, a little bit before, just about you know avoiding the the popularity or the the call for for being popular in that. But uh, can you talk a little bit more about, was that a conscious decision uh, that you made to to avoid, to completely avoid it? Uh, and how has that affected your your ministry when you know so many times success is measured in likes and clicks and and all this sort of thing? Um, how, talk, if you would talk a little bit about that that decision. Yeah, you know, early on when we're, we're all kind of discovering that world um, as before, uh, maybe I was during the MySpace days and, uh, uh, there was just a weirdness to it because that's when podcasts were happening and people were starting to vie for position. And, and I got caught up in that, like, oh, wow, I'm only number 19. I got to get up there. Um, just saw my pride creeping in and I thought, you know what, I need to just escape this altogether before it consumes me. Um, and it was that, and it was also um, realizing so many people wanted my time that I wasn't building deep relationships. Mm. I really can't make disciples if I'm trying to, just speak to the masses. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like this. See, see what a lot of you guys listening, you don't understand. There was a world before this and it was good. <laughs> it was real good. I mean, there's 
there's times when I'll turn my phone off for a week and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm free. And then you realize this is how I used to live. Yeah. And so a lot of these things that you you think are so great or helpful, they're really not. And and even I, I remember a friend of mine telling me who was uh he is this old leader in India, and he was talking about his friend Teresa. Um who would just sit and care for orphans and do her thing. And then God decides, I'm going to make her a household name. Mm. Um, now there's no one that doesn't know Mother Teresa. But it wasn't yeah. because she went online and said, ooh, how do I get a bunch of followers? You know, yeah. it's it's God. If he wants everyone to hear you, they'll hear you. And, and quit trying to make yourself popular. Mm. Um, because that that whole uh, we say, well, but it's for the sake of the gospel, I must become greater so that he can become greater. It's like, no, that's not exactly the verse. Just <laughs> just do your thing, love the people in front of you, serve them. And if God opens up doors, you know, be careful, make sure it's really him. And um, so there's that side of it. And, and the other thing too is. It's just, it's not healthy either way. It's not just pride. It's also like anger. And like, if you read all of your criticism um, and all of your praise, there's just not, there's no win in either one of those. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I hear plenty of criticism. So to go online and find out what are people saying about me today? How many people are saying I'm a heretic today? You, you start to... Ah, I don't know. I mean, that could be all consuming mm -hmm. and, and it can just get you down or angry or uh, feel things you shouldn't feel. Um, and then if you start looking at all your praises, you know, I don't know if there's a way to filter, like mm -hmm. I just look up good things said about friends, you know, then it's like, why do I care? Yeah. Um there's some of it that's good because each time I have to come before the Lord and go, okay, God, thank you that these people have said these things about me that are untrue, hateful, because I have to decide why does that bother my spirit? Mm. Uh, is it really kingdom or is this pride? Mm. God, is it enough? that you love me and you know I'm trying to please you. Yes, that's enough for me. That's more than enough for me. My life is good. This is good. You know, so, so it's, there's a side where some of it we have to have in our lives. It's a good check. Um, but the pride and the bitterness, it's just, ah, be so careful with that. And, and just stay close to the people who know you mm -hmm. and can rightly judge you to some degree mm -hmm. and hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I try to focus my life. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm mindful of the time and our time is, uh, is almost at an end. I want to ask a final question just to say, that we at Bethel Seminary, we've been so, so blessed to have you as our first Carlson Scholar. Uh, we're so glad uh, to be able to 
begin that uh, relationship and and connect with you in that way. I'm wondering if you have any words of advice, um, maybe for students who are listening as they are preparing to step into ministry following their the completion of their seminary education. Many of our listeners are pastors, but I want to focus especially on the students right now, those who are um, preparing for ministry. And there's been lots of good advice here. I don't want to suggest you haven't given good advice, but is there any <laughs> final uh, final thoughts that you want to uh, share, particularly with those students in mind? Yeah, that's that's good. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind as I, as I pray for you and think of you is Satan, I believe, has used the internet and just the busyness and the craziness to train our minds to work quickly. Uh, we make quick decisions. We The other day I was blown away at, at how many news articles I consumed in two minutes time, approximately. Mm. I mean, it's just boom, you know, okay, what's Biden doing? Oh, what's Trump doing? Oh, no, the flood. Oh, no, this. And I'm just going from article to article. And it's just very normal for me mm -hmm. because we switch, 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 switch and do so much in two minutes. And so we have to make quick decisions. Like I got to answer emails and like, um, okay, no, thanks. Sorry. I love you. Bye, bye, bye. You know, uh, da, 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 da. you know, you're doing so many things quickly and you're kind of forced to that. And you got this lineup of texts and you just want to get through them. The danger in that is when it comes time to meditate. Mm. Your mind is not trained to think deeply, but mm. quickly. And so now you're studying also, and you've got deadlines. Ugh. Be aware of this. Um, you know, in the early days, a lot of the learning was kind of almost, I don't know the word, monasterial. <laughs> it, you know, it's its almost in that deep silence and quietness and aloneness that you would know biblical truths because you just take a truth. And as I study those those the early church and those ancient thinkers, like they could meditate on one thing for hours. Mm. And, and, and that's why Paul's like, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses comprehension. It's not something you read an article on and you go, Oh, I know the love of Christ. Now let me find out about his wrath. Okay. Now let me learn about his mercy. Mm. It's it, it can very easily become that. And I would just mm. say, be careful. You guys are so good at doing things quickly and getting a lot done. And I just don't know if that's what's going to sustain you. Mm. And there's pressure to know a little bit about everything. There's mm -hmm. new religions every day. There's new issues every day that theologians want to tackle and you'll get attacked if you're not on the perfect side of this issue those are all traps uh where god wants you to meditate deeply mm -hmm. on his love and when's the last time you just sat there and thought about this steadfast love that's abounding 
towards you right now and allow that truth to give you this joy that is inexpressible, mm. full of glory. Um, you don't have time for that. And that's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. So be very, very careful in this busy season of your life. Mm. Wow, that is, that's very helpful. Thank you for, for that. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. It's been great to have you on, on Whole and Holy again. And uh, I'm sure this will be helpful to all of our, our listeners. Thanks so much. Thanks, Peter. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. If you have comments or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to email us at whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Once again, that's whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Thanks for listening. God bless you.